And away we go. It is the BCJ podcast presented by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. There will be a watch party this Saturday, 4 p.m. at the Holy Grail as the Bearcats go on the road to take on Central Florida. Come down and join the Bearcat Journal team. I, I will unfortunately be on the road for volleyball. There will be a stand-in in my place. We'll get to that in a moment. But watch party. Come down. Check out the Bearcats taking on Orlando Technical Institute of Hospitality uh, in Orlando at the Howard Johnson, the Hojo Center. I think. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> Get yourself some great food, some great drinks. And remember, Cincy Light. Every Cincy Light you buy at the Holy Grail. An extra 50 cents will be donated directly to the Cincy Reigns organization that supports NIL, name, image, and likeness for the University of Cincinnati. So uh, get down, support those that not only support us, but support the program as well. All right, let's get to it. It's a Wednesday night. Time to rock and roll. We've had a lot of great guests on this show of late. Uh, we usually call them special guests. I think this time it's just a guest. Dave Simone and Keegan Nickerson, the brain trust here at BearcatJournal.com. Uh, as uh, you know, I, we haven't heard from Keegan in a while. He usually uh, is busy on Wednesday nights. Uh, I forgot it's uh, Valentine's Day when I asked him to be on because uh, I don't care right now um that it's valentine's day uh <laughs> i don't like this holiday i never liked it to begin with now i like it even less um <laughs> so as you can see keegan is uh is in his uh his girlfriend's bedroom for valentine's no, day. these are my pink curtains those are your pink Fan curtains yeah are they fancy yes very fancy are they, are they blackout pink curtains like does the light yes. get through there no no I like where your brain's at. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but Dave Simone and I joined tonight by Keegan Nickerson. We uh, we have a lot to get to. So uh, let's get moving. Dave, uh, how are you this evening? Great. How's your uh, Valentine's Day going? It's not a thing for me. You've been uh, together too long now. It's over. I mean, yeah, we... Uh, we have our, our annual trip to one of Jeff Ruby's fine establishments on Saturday. So that will be our Valentine's Day, whatever you, you want to call it. Yeah. We went to see uh, Kelly's nurses today. And we got there right after somebody died. Oh, that's... They were... I mean, it was like... It was, it was, I, I hate this day. <laughs> I, I couldn't even imagine... He was 87 and he was taking pills and like asphyxiated. And that was oh, it. Yeah. So now that I've set the tone for a very Yeah, let's 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 rock and roll, baby. Let's, let's talk funny. about some basketball. <laughs> Whatever Dave said, it's not as bad as that. <laughs> Coming up. It's not as bad as that. Keegan, how's it is she mad at you for doing this? No, no. Okay. I um 
I, for asking you to do this. No, I walked in to a florist today at 2 p.m. No, you, said, no, you, no, you didn't, man. No, you I said, didn't. can I get a bouquet of roses? And the lady went, no. I'm surprised, <laughs> she, didn't, I'm surprised she didn't throw a vase at you. Are you kidding me? I've never, <laughs> I've never had such a quick, like, yeah, I, why did I think I would be able to do this? Oh my God. I know and you just got engaged, like, but did you just start dating? Like, <laughs> no, she was like, we don't have much of anything. And I was like, do you have anything purple? I got some purple roses. Were you dating her at this time last year? Yes. I mean, I would think so. Right. Most people don't propose. Now look, I, I'm I'm trying to figure out if this is his first Valentine's Day, Dave. <laughs> My move has usually been go to Kroger, $20 bouquet. I'm like, you know what? It's a special day. If I'm going to get price jacked, I'm going to have the person do it right. You're price jack right. me and give me quality flowers. So, so you waited to the la till the day of to do that and thought that yes. that was going to get you the quality. My my brain says get the flowers as fresh as possible day of. You realize you could have still got them today by ordering them two weeks ago. They I, still would have been fresh. You can now see him thinking. You can literally see him. I picture buying it. flowers as like watching a live like, sporting event. There's some things you can only do in person. You buy no, the no, tickets no, ahead no, of time to watch the sporting event. Not, not true at all. You can call your florist. You can find them with the Google.com. Or you can walk in two weeks ago and go, I'd like some flowers ready to be picked up on Valentine's Day. And they would have said, absolutely, sir. What would you like? At least I learned is, it. The world is your oyster. I learned we will have them ready for you on Valentine's Day, and they will not be from two weeks ago. <laughs> okay. We're helping. Oh. We're trying to help. And this is relationship advice with yeah, Chad and Dave. Talking, talking <laughs> Valentine's Day with, with Chad, Dave, and Keegan. At least I learned at 23. Okay. And now my son will know one day. You're going to have all daughters. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm terrified. <laughs> So I guess uh, we've stalled long enough. Uh, <laughs> let's get moving, Dave. You want to you want to talk football? The uh, transfer press conferences, or uh, no, no, not really. Okay, <laughs> not, not to uh, start. <laughs> baseball starts uh, Friday, or yeah, Friday. I think baseball cool. starts Friday. Excited. You want to talk some baseball? Not really. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, women's golf. Um, I, I, believe I did women's, see a uh, young, young lady won tournament this week. I was so gonna say, was, the women's golf team had uh, the number one. To, speaking one of golf, one. we need to have we need to have a Doug segment with the season uh, getting ready to start, or maybe he will invite us to the new uh, practice facility, and we, we have an open invite. We just have to call. They've been in Florida. Yeah, I saw him last night. Um, talked to him for a little bit last night. Yeah, let's so, let's set the, let's set that up. Okay, we can do that. No, I I think uh, I would like to talk about some uh, basketball. All right, well, Keegan, Dave, you guys have a great time. <laughs> oh, you don't want to talk about any basketball? I'm fine. <laughs> uh, Cincinnati falls last night to Iowa State, sixty-eight fifty-nine. 
ultimately, they have two top 10 teams into fifth third arena. They lose both games by a grand total of 14 points. Um, they are now at four and seven in the Big 12. And they have a very uh, specific and uphill path to climb. If they are going to make the NCAA tournament, we have talked about this extensively. They let a couple get away early that we were afraid could hurt them in this middle section of the conference. That has happened. Um, we will get to, you know, what what things look like over the last seven, which are much, I think, much more manageable than the first 11. But I'm out. I'm out on that part, by the way. You and Keegan can talk about that. No, you're in. Because I don't um, think it matters, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. Well, then we'll talk about <laughs> it. Um, but here they sit. And Iowa State was uh, exactly as good as I feared they were last night. And they kind of blitzed Cincinnati early and never took their foot off the gas. And honestly, it should have been worse. That felt like for most of the night it was going to end – at 17, 18, like I do give them credit for not getting destroyed because I thought they should have, I thought they were playing that uh, at a level that should have gotten them blown out. And yeah, they managed turn the to ball over 20, 25 times. You typically get blown out. Right. They managed to at least uh, stay within shouting distance. Now felt like Dayton. That was the closest thing to Dayton all season. Yeah, I thought Dayton, well, yeah, a little different. Dayton did it offensively. Iowa State yeah. did it defensively. So Relentless. Yeah, a little bit different, but not not inaccurate, really. Um, but here we are. They are they are swimming upstream with uh with seven to go. Go ahead, Dayton. No doubt about that. Um I guess. And you and I talked about this a little earlier. So I did a little fact checking. And the thing that annoys me personally the most about these last two games is the is going into the game, we knew kind of how these teams were successful. We knew they both play really good defense. We knew Houston is a great rebounding team, and we knew Iowa State forces a lot of turnovers. And so it's frustrating for me that those were the two things, and you see being a good rebounding team too, it adds to that frustration in the Houston part of it. Yeah. Is that you knew how the bread is buttered, so to speak, and then that is essentially the two things that got you beat. And, you know, my frustration is that, like, Houston – in all Big 12 games, hadn't gotten, well, I mean, gotten near 13, I guess, what they ended up with 17 offensive rebounds. Yeah, Is that right, Keegan? Total. I mean, they're averaging 11.4 offensive rebounds in conference play. Iowa State is averaging forcing 15, 14.9 turnovers in conference play. They have some crazy outlaw, you know, 20 TCU had 26. Um, Oklahoma State had had 
19 or I mean, I wherever I pulled it from, it's probably not accurate, but for all intents and purposes, it's I'm looking at uh, at Iowa State's site, uh, 27 for TCU, 20 for Oklahoma State, 20 for Baylor, uh, yeah, 20, 29 for Prairie View. Well, I mean, I'm just I know, I'm just looking at their whole, but the point still remains is like you knew. How this, how they wanted to make it go, and those were the the issues. I mean, the Houston game, you give up all those offensive rebounds. I think they end up with about eighteen to twenty more shots than than UC did, and it's very hard to make an argument that that right there wasn't the game. And and you know, when UC got shots off last night, I thought they were. I mean, clearly they was one of their best three point shooting games in a long time. Um, if you just look at the slash lines, you're like, that's a recipe for winning. Yeah, they shot 38% from the floor. Well, right. But I mean, it's, but if you don't turn the ball, I mean, but that's my point is like, give them their average, their average of 15 or 16 turnovers a game. Yeah. You know, you've got, I think there's what, three shot clock violations, at least two. Uh, illegal screen calls, which I mean, those are subjective, but I mean, they're still turnovers. Um, so it felt like several jump ball situations where they were, where they yeah. were able to tie us up. Um, wow. <laughs> again, I, but hey, it counts. We wouldn't complain about it if it was if it was reversed. No, I would still complain about it. Like last night, I I even said I like I thought Jizzle got away with a like a full elbow lock shove. Like four times. Yeah, I'm not what like, when I complain about the officiating, I complain about the officiating, not that like it cost you see a game or whatever. The jump balls were a little fucking right, crazy. but you are in the minority. I know. I don't talk about it at all because I feel like if you play, sure there are going to be calls that are ridiculous. I mean, we've seen plenty of them yeah. all the time, but if you know. If you take care of what you're, it's the old adage, and I know it's coach speak. It's like you know, play better than the officials. I don't really agree necessarily with that line, but it's like you take care of your business, then some of those calls actually don't matter at all. Sure, some of them so, are just awful calls, and right. I oh yeah, talk about it. <laughs> so the question becomes, like, I know we've played the schedule game and the and the math game and everything, but. We now have 24 data points, 11 in conference, where I'm just kind of left to go, does any of that really matter? Because this team is just far too inconsistent for me to believe that they're going to do something to put them in a position to make the tournament they have that they haven't shown that they're capable of doing. I mean, I think to a point that is fair. I, I also think, Dave, you have to acknowledge they played 11 games in the Big 12. Nine of them have been ranked teams. Four of them have been teams that many consider elite or, you know, top 15 level teams in the sport. Um, that's why I'm interested in this final stretch so much. If the final stretch looked a lot like the beginning 11, I would be 100% like on your side. Um, 
So I, we, don't know, but we don't know what it's going to look like because it hasn't happened yet. I know that I didn't say I was guaranteeing it. I'm saying I'm interested to see yeah. what this final stretch looks like because they have played even or almost even with pretty much everybody in the conference. Like last night was really the first time it felt like Iowa State just played significantly better. I don't disagree with any of that. I just, I don't know, man. Like, is it going to going to UCF where they have been very successful at home? Do do we feel like with with I don't, I don't know the status. I'm the two players that they didn't have when they played us. I'm going to assume they're going to play. I, uh, I, I know CJ Walker is back. I've actually talked to some people that think. They are not as good as they were at Cincinnati with C.J. Walker on the floor. Well, because he can't score. Right. Either and, either way, I mean, he's a good yeah. defensive president. He's an athletic guy. Like, yeah. Um, but so I mean, do we think based off of how we've played, and we're just gonna like we're gonna go down there and, and turn things around there? Um, yeah. You know, we. I just, I'm just kind of left being like. You know, I, I got to see way more consistency. I got to – and you just can't have these – they do – they go from, like, one extreme to the other in so many facets of the game. You know, either it's awful defense, like it was, like, Dayton, Xavier, then it got actually really damn good, and then the offense was terrible. Or yesterday it was – an insane amount of turnovers or the offense plays good, but you, you know, you do something like it's just, there's so many inconsistencies that it's, it's very hard to look at it and go, yeah, they are playing air quotes and not just air quotes, but statistically easier teams. But what, what can I, what can I hang my hat on? That in the, these final seven, they're going to to do enough to to put themselves in the conversation heading to conference tournament week. Again, I think I think you can hang your hat on their ability to rebound and defend, and I think that in large part that has been able to mask some deficiencies that have been within the team throughout basically the entire season. So they, they've been in games despite not being able to score or shoot. They've been in games despite Victor Locken struggling the past four or five games. Um, they've been in games despite four. people, <laughs> despite players being out for long periods of time, um, Aziz Bendego, CJ Frederick. Um, it just got to a point where the deficiencies started to pile up more to where it wasn't going to mask it and you weren't really going to have a chance. And I think one thing that the fan base has taken for granted has been the pretty quality guard play that they've gotten out of Jizzle James and Day Day Thomas. Um, from the BYU game to last night, Day Day Thomas hadn't had a game where he turned the ball over more than three times uh, until the Iowa State game. And Jizzle James in that same stretch only turned it over six times. So I think their ability to facilitate the offense in a way that it 
give scores decent looks. Who, who are, and who they are can... those? What, what did you say? Scores? Who, who, who are those guys? I hadn't talked to you about basketball. I didn't know you were this pessimistic. I, it's not. Believe me, I am not pessimistic. But you say score. Like I agree with you about the guards. Who who are they setting up? Who who are the scores? I would say Seamoss and Dam. Giving them. Okay. John, eh, yeah, John can shoot it. John can get hot. I like John's ability to score at all three levels. I think that's something that's underrated I, about him. I I don't disagree. I just I'm like. All the defense and rebounding is great if you can't put the ball in the basket. We have a hard time putting the ball in the basket. Or else we wouldn't be in this situation. I mean, we Chad and I have talked about, up until recently, we talked about the, the three-point shooting and how it all, all it needs to be is just okay. Not even good. You know, that was okay, but, that 40% yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> it, was the past... they, it was good when they were able to actually take shots. I think the past three or four games are kind of showing that they're not shooting the ball terrible. I don't. I I think they're st- they still aren't shooting an average, but they're making it at a higher clip, and they just need to put it all together. Uh, I yeah. think the TCU game is kind of a signal that I mean this team can win games and they have the right attitude. Like they go into places knowing they can win, even well, though everyone else okay. thinks they're going to lose. Chad, I want to get your take on this because this is so, in, in Keegan's. This is something that I dug up. And it goes okay. to the point of like TCU and the way they play. Do you think this team plays better in that style of game? And the reason that I ask that is I looked at because I think it's pretty clear we we get off to some slow starts. I would yes, that has definitely been the case in the, in the last two for sure. So I looked at the entire conference schedule. Uh huh. And. Arbitrary number, 10 points. I mean, you could have picked 20, you could have picked 15, but, like, I just picked 10. 10 points. When did we get to 10 points in the first half? Usually probably around the under eight timeout. Or no, so. not that. it's not that bad. Okay. Under eight timeout. Jesus. That, that, didn't, that hasn't happened once. That's bad starts. Yes. And you got 10. With well, eight I mean, minutes to go? I meant the under 12. Okay. Okay, under 12. Eight minutes gone, the under 12 right. time. Correct. So I put down like what the score of the game was at that time, which doesn't as matter as much because obviously there's a lot of time left. And, you know, several of the games we were either up or down and the result ended up being different. But that's, that's So that doesn't mean as much. But if you're going back, we'll start BYU. When they got to 10 points, this is left in the first half. 9:42, and then they obviously won the game. So you know, it seems it doesn't necessarily dictate the result. Texas 15:57, Baylor 14:53, TCU 15:54, OU 11:49, Kansas 10:43, UCF they came out hot 17:55, West Virginia 11:34, Texas Tech 5:07, Houston 12:03, and Iowa State 10:58. And that game was actually tied at, at 10, 10 minutes into the game last night. So my, my point, like, it just feels like they maybe play better in more of a up-tempo game, but you can't really do that. But you can't really do that if you're going to play too big. So this comes to my next point. Are, are you 
I know we're defense, 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 rebounding, whatever. But if you're constantly having a hard time getting going, are you re- like, should you, should we look at maybe, you know, whether it's Dan and going small, whether it's Jamil, if you really, really want to stay big, Jamil is certainly more of an offensive player right now than Vic. Dan, more of an offensive player than both of them. Is it, is it maybe time to look at starting, figuring out a way to start the game faster? Because you know, I'm saying you as in like Wes, the coaches, the players, they know they have empirical evidence that like, it doesn't really matter if we get down, we've shown that we can fight back in, but why not start the game in a better position? So if that happens, maybe you're not, maybe you're not fighting as big of a, yes, of course they would, but like, it's not like the way they're starting is not working. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you brought that up because I talked to chat about this against Houston that Texas Tech game, what was the lead they got out to? Like 13 to 3? They, they were up 6 when they got to 10 points. But, yeah, it was like 13 to 4, 13 to 6, something like and that. They got a pretty wide margin, and it's kind of like you're thinking this is as good as this game could have started for Cincinnati. Right. And then Texas Tech battles back and gets it close. And if you didn't have that wide margin, what happened? And then right, Because they're good and they're at home, and you figure yeah. – it's a big 12 game. Almost all these games are very, very close. So and that's then, why I'm thinking like, let's try to start a little more offensive minded group. And then maybe you get out to that lead, like you mentioned. And when the other team battles back, you're still winning. You're not down seven because you were tied. And, you know, now you're fighting uphill again. Yeah, I, I think it's easier to do that against Texas Tech than it is against Iowa State and Houston. Um, no doubt. It, and I think like Houston got out to that 17 to four lead and then UC started coming back. And I said to Chad, I was like, this feels like Texas Tech. Like they're going to come back, but they're going to exert every bit of energy they have. And then Houston's going to be in a spot where, you know, they built such a time fine. Yeah. You get I, I know, but. They still at time. Shit, they were up seven points with what? I don't know, 15 minutes, 13 minutes to go in the game. No, it was just over 17, 17. minutes left. Calvin Sampson called the timeout. It was 30 and, 31. And then that started their 19 to 4 or whatever yeah. crazy run it was when he called timeout. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, clearly we're just we're just spitballing and Wes is going to do what he thinks is best. And I, I don't imagine him making any changes, you know, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a different starting lineup Saturday. I mean, you know, and, and I know Vic has gotten the brunt and it's not just him. I mean, his, his statistics are, are pretty glaring. I mean, he didn't play in the UCF game. So his last six games, he's got 16 points on four of 30 shooting with nine turnovers. And I know, and I agree with you when you said like this team can't be its best without him being at his best. I agree, but at the same time, like I don't think you can just keep. And great, his minutes have been reduced. I mean, I think he only played nine last night. Right, he was down to thirteen but, against Houston. Like, I think he was fifteen right. the game before. So you're you're seeing the progression, but it's like you also are not in a position to just hope that things change. <laughs> Like you have to start playing other guys if if it's if you're at you know we're at six games now like 
You, Dave, you can't, I would be flipping out if he was still playing 28 minutes. Right. Like, at, at that point, the argument has a ton of credence. Sure. Are they trying to get him back on track? Yes. Are they doing it? Like, at, right, at the expense of... No, they're not. Yeah, I mean, he played so, nine minutes last night. I think he is. I don't think he's played more than 20 minutes in, in like, three or four games. Right. So, like, that, the, clearly the staff understands... Vic yeah. is not playing well. They they are not playing him just like willy-nilly to play him. They are trying sure. to get him going because of what we just said. But the more he continues to struggle, the more you have to reduce the minutes. And they have done that. That's yeah, why I don't have a major issue with the Vic situation no. right now. Other than to say the same thing. I said about Day Day and Jizzle, and Coach eloquently uh, reiterated my point last night <laughs> on the Day Day and Jizzle situation. Um, um, for this team to be its its best, Vic cannot be a zero. And no. I'm not saying, like, look, the likelihood of him being that guy the rest of the year that comes out and goes 17 and 8, I think we're past that. Yeah, there's something, something whether you know whether it just whatever is a it pro, is prolonged thing with the, when he wasn't feeling good or whatever it is. Like he just doesn't. I mean, it's just a, it's it's obvious watching. Right. Like it's not like a dude that's that is just like a shooter that is just he's got a month yeah. long and he just can't make one. And we've all seen shooters go through that stuff. Like it is, it does not feel that way to me at all. Like no, you said, like he's going to show up on Saturday. And come off the bench and get a quick five and end up with like 15 and eight. It's no, it's, and it's kind of what I've tried to get at with Aaron when we've talked about this, this topic. And, and it's been a little bit of the same on Twitter. Like people are like, well, feed him the ball inside. He can't, he's worse inside right now than he is from three. Like, and I get the frustration with him when he shoots a three that's ill-advised or not. You know, I've talked about, he has to take certain ones. If the offense creates a wide open kick out rhythm three for him from the wing or from the top, like it's something, it's a shot he's got to shoot. Yeah, but like shoot. contested right. catch, like somebody in his airspace. That's right now, no, like that, that can't be it. But they can't throw the ball to him. I mean, I pointed out what twice yesterday, Keegan, early in the game that they tried to at least get him some action, either high post or like mid post. And he can't even catch the ball and get to like half a move, much less get the ball on the rim. He hasn't made a three since TCU. Yeah. And it Crazy was a big part one. in back to back games, he made big threes down the stretch of games. Yeah. And then he, he hasn't hit one since. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I think I just keep looking at it and I go, if you if you leaned a little more offense to start, are you, are we really just like going to fall off the end of the earth defensively? I just feel like this team is a good defensive team. Like the pieces fit. They have quality guys on on every level. I think Jizzle's becoming a much better on ball defender. Um, he struggled last night, boy. Well, he also Lipsy's might you know, be the best point hey, guard in the conference. Lipsy's really good. Lipsy ate him up. Okay, like but, he, he, but don't, don't you think he's still much better than he was two months ago? Yes. Yes. Sure. 
So, sure, you go up against the top three point guard in the country as a freshman. I'm not going to be surprised if you have a rough game. But what I'm saying is, like, it's not like if we start If you have a bad game, we take you out back and shoot you around. Yeah. If you start start Dan and uh, give Jizzle more minutes, I don't think they go from being, like, a top 20 defensive team to a, a 60th defensive team. Like, I think... The offense, we need to gear. If you're going to make a run in these last seven, I think you got to gear it a little more offensively and and try to cover. You know, try to whether it's get out to get out to a strong start, or we've talked about this so much in the past. Is like, and this is where a bucket getter factors in the most. Is how do you keep a three-minute scoring drought going from a six-minute scoring drought? And that has happened in so many of these games that some of them that they've come back and won, but in these close losses, there is always a point somewhere, whether it's in the first half or second half, where they go through a prolonged drought. And I'm, I have no idea necessarily who was on the floor for those particular moments, but, you know, if – that's a more of a roster thing when I don't where I don't think they have like a guy you can truly throw it to and and he can end a end a drought or or you know yeah. manufacture something I, for you. Look, but, if you're asking me what this team needs, it's what every team in this conference has. A six three guard that just goes and, and gets you a bucket. Like how many buckets did Gilbert get last night when things started to get hairy? Right. And he hadn't had a good game up to that point. They had done a good job on him for the most part. And then Cincinnati started trying to make a run. And they kept trying, like they kept getting it to eight, nine points. And every time, either Lipsy or Gilbert would come down and hit a shot and, and push it back out to where Cincinnati, like it was like, you know, the big brother holds you like on your forehead and you're swinging at him, but you can't reach him. Like that's what Iowa State's guards did to Cincinnati last night. I look. I think long term, you know, going you're going to have Jizzle and Day Day next year. You know, all all signs indicate that. Um, they'll they'll improve, and and Jizzle you hope improves exponentially because he's already really good. If you had a guy next to them that could really go get you a bucket, this team would be like they would look completely different. completely different and they don't have that right like dan has at times started to work towards that he has and then if it goes well for him then he takes it a couple possessions too far still sure he where he gets himself in trouble which i don't ever like of course i would love him to to not do that stuff but like I'm never gonna fault a dude that is just aggressive all the time. Right. And are you are you gonna dribble yourself into some turnovers or some bad plays? Sure. But I think you'll always come out ahead when when that is your mentality. And but I think he needs another guy to feed off like to feed off his athleticism. Yeah. Look, if you could play Dan at the three and and go get a bucket getter at the two to go with the point guard, you'd look like a lot of these big 12 teams. Like, you're that close. That's the thing I think. People won't say this, but I think the reason this fan base is really frustrated right now 
is because every night they have been close, but every night that they haven't gotten it done, there has been like that one thing. Like against Texas, it was it was not defending uh, Disu well in ball screens, and he ate them a lot. Last night it was turnovers. Houston, it was was offensive rebounding or defensive rebounding, like Dave was talking about. Like I, I think there is this frustration that when you look at it, you see a team that's like right there. Sure. Right I mean, there. Look, look at the end of the Houston game. It's sixty-one fifty-nine. Yeah, their their guy hits a ridiculous shot. The dumbest, then, the dumbest shot all season until the three at the end of the shot clock. Uh, yeah, last night. Yeah, <laughs> but then we come down and we don't have because like you're not drawing up a set play in that situation. Like you got to get it to a guy. You're down four with like whatever. A minute and a half left. You're just getting it to your guy, and he's getting you a bucket. We don't have that guy. So what did we do? I don't know. I mean, I don't exactly remember. It didn't result in a basket. I know that much. Um, Chisel, so, layup. Is that what yeah, it was? Layup, layup. Got blocked from behind. From right. So, but it's like, you know, which I'm fine with. Be aggressive. Try, you know, try to get to the basket. Try to draw a foul. Whatever. But like, in a normal situation, or not normal, but like in a ideal situation, like. You're running a set or a clear out or something for Kevin McCullers or Emmanuel Miller or Gilbert last. Like, you know, instantly, okay, we're down four now. That dude made a hell of a shot. We got to get it back to two real quick. Okay, get it to him and get the hell out of the way, and he's going to get it done. And a lot of teams in this league have two, Dave. Well, yeah, because you you have played good defense, and then you got to have somebody else that can can, can bail you out out of whatever your first action is. That's the thing that I think you don't really, when you think about that, when you think about this topic, this league, there are so many top 20 defenses. Like I, I've seen it a, a ton since uh, Saturday. Well, this team's not running any offense. Well, this team's just standing around. No, no, they're not. They're just being defended by elite defensive teams that make you look like you're standing around. I mean, because, no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying it, it's not a matter of like. No, I agree with you. It's like these last two games, you're not standing around. You're just being defended really good. But the offense wasn't a problem in the previous eight. They were missing wide open shots. Right. Right. Or going 60% from the free throw line. <clears throat> right. Like the funny it, thing is. The free throw problems have been th- they uh, last night was gross, but <laughs> Houston it wasn't bad. I mean, they shot over seventy percent. I think they're one hundred percent, seventy-seven percent, and seventy percent. The last three games, they shot seventy percent from the line last night, and that's they with really... Jamil and Aziz getting a lot. Yeah, of that's what I was going to say. I didn't. They they missed a ton last night. I didn't think they, they had been making them good. at a high clip though. So. They were 12 of 17 from the line, Dave, 70.6%. Yeah. Uh, five of five in the second half helped that out. Uh, you probably – the first half they struck. But, I mean, the, the, it's like, you know, we, we thought – and look, I know people don't want to hear this. We thought they would be a bubble team. You know what they're playing like? Playing like a bubble team. Like it, you you plug this hole and then this one pops up. And, you, and if and – if, 
you know, there, there, there's not massive amounts of water coming in, but there's enough, just enough. And that's why you find yourself on the bubble. They're, they're, they're not quite, I, I think they're obviously the games would say they're very close, but I, I don't, I think the roster is up still a piece or two away yeah. from getting to where it needs to be in this league because what it comes down to is they have been good. And the Bearcat Mark, who I love him, uh, he's been around forever. He, he's made a great point on this. In the games against like teams, similar teams, TCU, Texas Tech, BYU, Oklahoma, Texas, those teams that are they, – they aren't the top four. Cincinnati's four and two. Against the top four. Kansas, yeah, Iowa State, Houston, Baylor, they're 0-4. They're not good enough. They're good enough to hang in there and play with those teams, but they're not good enough on a right on a on a consistent basis to to be better than a top 12, top 15 team. Right. The, the roster's not there yet. No. And the you know, throughout the season it's been different guys in and out and it's just like if you were just really bad like if you were just bad on offense or bad on defense i could be i think you could be like well we know we know this is what we are let's just try to figure out a way to mask that one thing but it's like you you don't turn the ball over against a really good defense and who doesn't necessarily force turnovers in houston i mean they're not a pressure team yeah but like it's just something in every loss you're this close, but it's something different in yeah. all of those losses where if you just were like, we're just not a good three-point shooting team, okay, then don't shoot threes. Or we're not a good defensive team, okay, then we just got to play our best offensive guys and try to outscore people. Their problem is just we're kind of good at everything. We're pretty good at two things. We're not so good at two things, but like they're all biting us at different stages where you can't really hone in on one thing and just go, okay, we're just going to, we know we suck at that, but we're just going to offset it by doing this and see what happens. You know what, you know, what's funny about that, Dave, is you know what a lot of that is. And, and you're I don't think you'll ever get coaches <coughs> to admit it, but guess what? You know what the plugging of holes is all about? Okay. We know this went bad in this game, so we got to fix it. So you spend all week in practice oh, yeah. fixing it, right? You got the hammer and the nails and the, the spackle, and, and it's okay. All right, we fixed it. And then the next game starts, and you spent so much time over here. Oh, shit. <laughs> There's another one over here. Then you fix that one, and then another one down. Like that's you know, that that's yeah. life when you're you're good. This is a good team. I don't think there's any dispute that this is a good team. No, you just, like we're seeing as the season has gone on. Like you go to BYU and and are losing at halftime and come back and win the second half. You're a good team. You beat Texas Tech on the road. You're a good team. Like I'm not. I'm not saying that they're not. I just look. I'm just like my no. point is like I'm. No, I'm agreeing with your point. They're yeah. good, but but that's the problem with good. When you're good, you're not great, and you're not you know you're not really good. Like you're you're just you're just kind of good, and you know, and by that, like in terms of what I see that as, re like great, like protected seed, 
you're one through four. Oh, yeah. you know, on the seat line, you're you're getting a protected location, and the draw favors you to make it to the Sweet Sixteen. That's that's great, really good. Like you're wearing home whites in the NCAA tournament. Like you're in a position to make a run. Good. You're scrambling for the last six weeks. Well, good is like, good is like and, tonight we were good. Right. But but will we be good Saturday type and, of thing? And, like, and Dave, that's exactly why I have talked about the math worrying me for as long as it has. Because when you let Texas get away and when you let Oklahoma get away, I mean the you yeah, have the, to, you the have to make up is- Regardless of who you played, you're two and four at home in the conference, and right. you're not going to do anything worth the shit if you go two and four in the conference through six games. I don't care what conference right. you are. I don't care who you are. If you are, if that's your home record with however many home games left, like I, I can't, I can't buy into you because I've seen you not be able to get it done at home, and you want me to think that we're going to like just turn this knob and things are just. No, nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying that. All the only thing I'm saying is they play teams that aren't as really, really good. They're just good or not so good uh, over the next seven games outside of Houston at yeah. Houston. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not saying they're going to go five and two. What I'm saying is I I need to see what these next seven look like. They're going to tell us a lot. Oh yeah. I think you've talked a lot about how it's pr- it's one of the tougher two game stretches anyone's faced this season, like facing in Houston the country. And then, in America, it might be yeah. the toughest two game stretch in America, uh, playing those two back to back this year. Yeah, and then like you play Houston and you play out of your identity, you get murdered on the boards, but you still have a chance to win the game, and then you play Iowa State, and that's what a lot of like a lot of people just need to realize they played like crap. Like teams are going to play like crap sometimes. Like that's a reality of college basketball. Like Cincinnati does not play like crap night in and night out. Like they yeah, aren't man, a team that turn. What? Fran for shill. I think he said, you'll what you'll play five great games, five terrible games. And it's how you do in those other 20 that really determines how you yeah. are. Yeah. yeah that's just been kind of right here the whole time. Yeah. Um, so I mean, this isn't a team that turns it over twenty times every game. Like it's not their identity. Um, and I just think um, a lot of people need kind of need to realize that was a really tough two game stretch, and that this that isn't the identity of who this Cincinnati team is. Wes Miller said it: they don't ride the roller coaster because he knows it's it's when at Texas Tech. You're basically locked into the tournament, according to everyone. And then it's lose two in a row at home and everyone's freaking out and you basically suck. Um, so I think that that's something that I've had to realize. And also on the Vic thing, I just want to touch on it. Um, I don't think, and Chad, you could probably back me up on this. And this is a little bit of sarcasm. But I don't think Wes Miller sat in his office with his boards and had like all the scenarios written down. And he's like, this is what we have to do. This is what we have to do. I don't think there was a scenario where, okay, if Vic sucks and we can't use him, we'll just plug this in and then we'll be fine. 
like every scenario where UC had success this season, Vic was a key piece to that. So he's trying to manage a lose-lose situation. Like there's no good way to manage the situation of either play him too much and he continues struggling, hoping that he figures it out, or limit his minutes to the point where he his opportunities are kind of lower to try to figure it out. Like there's no good way to manage it. They know they need him. They're in a bad spot, yeah. More but they also know you got to go five and two to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Right now, uh, like if you don't get Vic back, you're probably not going to go five and two. In all reality. But, but but if he doesn't come back, you have to find a way. This is the point that everybody has gotten you know mad about, and I get it. Like I'm, you know, this is like something that I have been adamant about that they need to get Vic back, but. I, I, to Dave's point that he's going to make, I think you have to be now. You have you to. Ain't got no time to you ain't got no time to wait to see if it comes back or not. Like, point blank. Yeah. If it happens to, then you start increasing the minutes again. But if, but like, you don't have any time, man. It's not cutting time. I just that think it's a bad situation. Officially against the wall. It's a bad note. Oh, it's I'm not saying situation. it's like good or bad, but that's the reality <laughs> of it. Like you go to Orlando Saturday and you lose. As I joked on it's Twitter over. last night, one, two, three, Cancun, baby. Make those spring break plans. Out outside of a four game or whatever it ends up being winning streak in Kansas City. Like you're just not like No, here's the Dave. If they finish in the bottom four. Well, yeah, f- yeah, bottom four, then it's five games. You have to go Tuesday. Well, I mean, if they, they struggle. And they don't make the NCAA tournament, they're probably going to finish in the bottom four. Yeah. So, well, I mean, they could, I'm, you sure have to go, some, I'm sure there's some math where they go like four and three and they're like the, there's, you know, 10th. Yeah. I mean, I, who knows? I mean, that's what yeah. we joke. I mean, tiebreakers, like, have fun with whoever has to deal with all that right. at the end of the year. But that's, but that's my point is like, if you don't win Saturday, then, you know, so you're kind of like, yeah. It would be great if he was able to figure it out and, and contribute, but like, you you know, it's probably an oversimplification, but you got a one game season. So you'd rather gamble. You'd rather gamble without Vic than gamble with Vic. Not without him, but like you, if I if I'm on like the ten minute side, are you saying you're like twenty minutes plus? No, I'm not saying I'm twenty minutes plus. But what you're saying is sounding like you basically don't play him. I'm like certainly you, not starting him, and I'm playing him like when I when I need to. Okay. Because he he showed me for whatever the reason is, it could be of no fault of his own, no fault of anyone. But he's shown me over the last six games that he's it's a diminishing return, and I have to win this game Saturday. Am I going to play someone? It could. It, this isn't just him. Like coaching in general. Like, how many minutes am I going to give to someone in a game that I that I feel like I really, really, really need to win? I mean, a one game season is truly an oversimplification. But like, I have to win this game. I have to start building momentum. We cannot lose three games in a row. We have to win this game. It'd how be much trust? How much trust? How much? How many minutes am I going to give to a person that for the last six games has has produced on a lower level each time out on the floor? 
I think it'll be interesting to see how many minutes he gives Vic because it's been a steady like decline right. 13 to 9. Does he just go with like five? Does he do the first segment and you don't figure it out and then you don't get another chance? I mean, um, I, I wouldn't go that route because I think that is like a that it's a throwaway, like a, a purely throwaway, pure confidence yeah. killer. Like, hey, buddy, you better come out swinging or you're not playing the rest of the game. Like, no, I think he needs to not start, but be a person in in the rotation in the sense of like, okay, Aziz needs a break. Vic's going in for a few minutes. Uh, Aziz got some fouls. Vic's going in to spell the fouls. Okay, Jamil's played a bunch and Aziz is in foul trouble. Now Vic's got like, he just needs to be kind of what they've had Jamil be, been doing. In that yeah. in that regard, to my opinion, it may, and I would go small. Um, I would go more often. So, I mean, that means Dan is getting more minutes. So, you're not going too bigs as much, and maybe that reduces his minutes as well. But, like, at this point, man... You know, I don't think anybody's going to get pissed off if we go on some winning streak now and make the tournament because well, a guy that wasn't producing's minutes have been lowered and other guys have stepped up. Yeah. Like, if he gets mad about that, so be it. But I, if I'm Wes Miller, I go, dude, like, have some self, you know, self-reflection. Like, you weren't exactly uh, a key cog in, in how, us winning games over the last month. month. I got to play the guys I think can get can get us going that have been playing at a higher level. I mean, Dan, Dan had a double double and no turnovers last night. If he doesn't start and play thirty minutes from here on out, I'm not sure what we're trying to do. Yeah, I, I think Vic. It's kind of comparable to the CJ Frederick situation where Wes said after the game, like he got three minutes in large part because this was the most difficult game like you could possibly come back to after missing a month. And the peak of the discourse about Vic struggling happened before the Houston game. And then he sucked against Houston, the toughest team to play against. And then he was also bad against Iowa State, the third toughest team to play against. So it was just the worst possible time for that to come to a head. And then it doesn't get much easier Saturday. So It's a hard deal when you play in the best conference and you're not playing well. There's not exactly a get-right game uh on the schedule but at this stage in is this stage in the season that and that's to me that's out the window yeah i mean it's unfortunate (laughs) but it's reality at this point yeah Yeah. it would be great if if i mean in an ideal situation like i kind of said earlier like he starts to show more signs and his minutes go up because he's proven he's proving and proving that he is out of whatever he was in but until that happens i can't i can't ride with you man like if if your goal is the tournament and i'm pretty sure that's the goal like i can't i gotta ride with the guys that i at least have a pretty good amount of confidence are gonna get the job done what are we laughing about keegan knows i got a good joke coming oh okay he could see it in my face. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It sure would be nice if there was like an ECU Tulsa stretch to get right next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still wouldn't want it. 
I don't either. I just, I'd still take know. all this conversation over. I know. I would too. I've just, I've, you know, it, it's funny because that's the thing is, is that's what you could do in that league. You can't do that here anymore. Like that's that don't work here in that league. You could say, all right, look, yeah, we got a guy that's struggling, but you know, we got some favorable matchups coming up over the next three games. Like we yeah, can you, get you, him back on track. You br- you bring him in off the bench against against the other team against Tulsa subs, and he plays like yeah. you know Dirk Nowitzki, and then he gets his confidence back, and and then you got another nice piece to start implementing in with the rest of the guys. But it's not the world we live in anymore. And no, yeah, you know, it, it's it seems ridiculous to say it, but like Saturday Saturday's kind of it, man. It really, I mean, it, look. I, I have some optimism because the schedule lightens up, and I think there is a path to five and two. If they lose Saturday, there is no path to five and one. There is no path to ending the last six games with one loss. There, there right. I, I don't see that path. I do and still then- see this path. It because if hypothetically, if you beat Central Florida Saturday, and then you can take care of Oklahoma State at home. Oklahoma State has been dreadful on the road. Uh, I like them. They're fun to watch. They're young. They can have some pop to them, but they're not consistent. And you have, you're okay. Then you're six and seven. And you got to go three and two to end the season. You, got, you can't which, lose into their home game. And then can you beat TCU or Oklahoma? Right. But I'm saying if we're six, if they're six and seven, right. At this time next week, there is a path to nine and nine that is pretty clear. If if they are five and eight, that's right. Yeah, five. If they're five and eight, you're not no. going for. It's not happening. Like you're not you're not winning four of the next five to get to the finish line at nine and nine. So, yeah, I mean we've talked about you know must win or or can't lose or whatever. You've got to come home from Central Florida with the win, and they have been very good at home. I, I don't think there's any denying that. We are going to find out, is this team wobbling and, on and, Saturday? And don't discount the fact of, like, UC had a pretty great comeback on them the last time they played either. Right. They're good. They're not great, but they're good. No, they're – I mean, yeah, they have some – some home wins that, you know, you look at their resume and you'll be like, this should be a tournament team based on that. Um, Dave, you want to hear something funny? I always want to hear something funny, Keegan. So so I was riding in the car like two weeks ago with my fiance and I was talking about one of the previews I did um, that I do before every game. And she goes, oh, so you just do like, you know, you preview the team and you and you say what you think might happen. I was like, oh, a prediction. That's a that's a good idea. I should do that before, like in my previews. I'm 0 and 4. <laughs> my predictions. <laughs> so I started doing that. Um, so I picked them to, to beat West Virginia. I picked them to lose to Texas Tech. And I picked them to beat Houston and Iowa State. You did? Yeah. It's been I it, it was at home against Houston. It was 0 and 6. 
They're pissed off. More talented team. Um, they had some momentum. They had a whole week off. It wasn't like they got blown out. Now the Iowa State one bad. No, but I mean to to, to pick that's that's quite a um. Yeah. That's a that's a, <laughs> that's a choice. Dave, Dave's trying to parse his words carefully. That's a choice. Yeah. Uh, uh, editor's note: Keegan will no longer be doing predictions. Come uh, on. And if he does, he I think he should be allowed to just to see. I want to see how how long his streak can go. Of uh, <laughs> well, and here's the, the other problem from the Houston game was we we and I mentioned how Will had been on quite a streak of picking whoever <clears throat> the team that we all wanted to win, you know, to be the contrarian thinking it was funny and then his team losing. Well, guess who he was rooting for on Saturday? Cincinnati. Yeah. And and last night, he's now a Bearcats fan in their own, own, you know, own two. <laughs> so. Get your house in order, Dave. His, it's his fault. He was, <laughs> he was rooting against um, – the the boys uh, to the other side of the city tonight. So I think he came out all, all right there. All right. When when you root for that, we all win. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's you, you you know when you're a bubble team, you get to a point in the season where like there's a game where you're just like kind of have to win this one or the rest of it just doesn't really not that it doesn't matter, yeah. but it just doesn't. It's, it's you are, over you are what you are at this point, and they're right. a team that hasn't won two games in a row since beating Evansville and BYU. So if you don't win Saturday and you have a three-game losing streak, what's the morale? What's the psyche? What's the – you know, all those things, like, doesn't, doesn't bode yeah. well. No, I mean, look, you have played a lot of really good teams really tough, and, and you have lost more often than you've won. You are now in a position where most nights the rest of the way, you're either going to be even or the better team. Win. Win. Look, I I'm, I, I cannot sit here and pretend to be surprised that they're 0-4 against Houston, Iowa State, Baylor, and Kansas. I'm not going no. to be surprised at that. I, But... Now it's time you, you've I said this on Twitter earlier and, and Dave quote tweeted like we were going to fight. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, but we feel so much different if they're five and six right now. So much different if they're five and six right now. That, that That's why I continue going back to the Texas and the Oklahoma games that they had at home and, and you had a win right there for the taking and they didn't get either. And we said it at the time. We're still saying it. It made the math very difficult because it was unlikely that you were going to beat Houston. And, and once we figured out how good Iowa state was, it was unlikely that you were going to beat them at home. And even one, even one of those two wins earlier in the season and we're having a different conversation right now. But that's this league. That's the pressure that this league puts on you. And it's also, Dave, it's why you can't enter the season as we're, we're going to be a bubble team. 
you have to you have to enter the season. We have a better team than that, and we're we're playing for a protected seed, or we're playing for that like five six line. Because if you're playing for the 10, 11, 12 line, it's gonna be this. What do we say about bubble teams every year? They're not good. Like they're not. They all, they're they, all not have du- they all have double digit losses. They've all lost right. to a team or two that they shouldn't. Have they lost all have balls. They all have things that you know yep. th- that you look at and say, if they would have just done this or if they would have just done that, we're Cincinnati fans. We're Cincinnati site. So we're looking at the close losses and saying, if there was one or two that went the other way, this whole conversation would be flipped. But they did not get Texas or Oklahoma. They did not sneak one of Houston or Iowa State. And now we're about to find out what they look like with with truly, for the first time in the West Miller era, truly with your backs against the wall. We have not seen that to this point. They were not anywhere near the bubble last year. That Like, I don't even know because of the way the conference schedule was if they could have played themselves up to the bubble. So there was no real pressure last year. There was definitely no pressure in year one because they were bad. So now let's see what it looks like. I, I'm with Dave. I, I think it's going to be like, it's it's not going to be easy in any way, shape or form to win five of the next seven. In any way, shape or form. Because guess what? I think mathematically that's got to include at least one and 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 probably two two game winning streaks, right? The, the, I, the numbers I'm doing the math in my head. I think it requires the numbers you to would two say to twice. go five and five and two. You have yeah. to win, win two, two games. in a row twice. Well, at least once because you could win three in a row and then lose. Yeah, like yes, you need to at least but, do it once, and they haven't done that since January. Right. December and whatever the first beginning of this yeah. conference season was. Their backs are against the wall for sure. I think it's extremely um from a a fan's perspective for people who watch the team as fans. I understand that it's extremely frustrating to watch a team who wins games they're supposed to lose and then loses games they're supposed to win. It's like no one in their right mind thinks this UC <laughs> this UC team goes and beats BYU and Texas Tech. And then everyone's upset when they lose to Texas and they lose to Iowa State. It's like, and I know you mentioned this on the show last night, Chad. It, like, if they hadn't beat Texas Tech and BYU, <laughs> where would they be right, right. now? But they did. And, yeah. And that's giving so them that's, a pulse. That's also part of what makes it frustrating from yeah. a fan's perspective, is you've seen them go win at BYU and win at Texas Tech. And then they're mm-hmm. two and four at home. Lose at West Virginia. And, and then you have a West shot Virginia. at the buzzer yeah. against Baylor to beat Baylor at Baylor. Yeah. Dave, I do have significant news tonight on the Bearcats NCAA tournament chances. Oh, you do? What's yeah. that? They got a huge, a massive, a, an immeasurable lift to their NCAA tournament resume tonight. Uh, Detroit Mercy won a game. 
Oh, <laughs> they were. I saw they uh, they were actually favored. Did they cover? How much did they win by? Uh, eighty-one to sixty-six. Oh, they covered. They they were they were given five and a half. Yeah, they are now one and twenty-six on the season. So, hey. <laughs> oh, Detroit Mercy moving up towards quad three. Winning, winning is that Mike Davis has to start somewhere? Yeah, that's Mike Davis. Hey, I'll say this, Dave. They haven't lost games by 40. They haven't lost games by 20. It could be worse. Yep. <laughs> could be worse. That's all. Uh are we are we good on basketball? Did did we did we scratch everybody's itch there? C certainly scratched mine. <laughs> you were ready. I was ready. ready. You had the stats ready. You had, I mean, I think, look, I think we're all in agreement. I don't think anybody's on a different page here. This team has, has been fun to watch. It has also been frustrating. It has been frustrating to play toe-to-toe -to -toe with everybody in the best conference in the country and to come up short seven times and only be on the good side four times that's frustrating because you 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 want to see if you're in those situations if you're continuously playing down to the wire against the best teams in the best league you want the satisfaction of the game ending and getting drive getting to drive back to your uh verbo or your airbnb uh, and and properly celebrate uh, a victory at Allen Fieldhouse, but you didn't you didn't get it. It didn't happen. You didn't so get burn the, the program to the ground. Yeah, that's, that's right. look, man. But you're gonna. I mean, you're gonna get that shit. We got that when they would lose a game at East Carolina after winning twelve games in a row or something. I mean, like right. so. Mick's not it. You got fire him. Got to get him out of here. <laughs> <laughs> like they're 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 22 and four uh but you know it's just not getting it done not winning we're not winning that then it was the we're just not winning like aesthetically pleasing enough right. <laughs> like i'm just tired of these 60 to 54 wins like why can't we blow every team out and score 75 points a game so you know, there's always there's regardless, there's always a segment that finds uh, an issue no matter no matter what's going on. The the thing that the only thing that I hate about like the sports world, well, not the only thing, there's a lot of things. Um, about like the sports world today, deal, you know, dealing with this medium, it's the just the default to fire everyone. Like no matter like it's the only like it's the only go-to. It's it's so lazy and stupid and tired and I mean if well, you're if you're look it's not even that if you're sitting at if you're sitting at go ahead no I was just saying it instantly uh, tells me you're you're oh what's going on you froze for a second but you're good you're back no. I was just saying, it just instantly tells me I have no reason to pay attention to anything that you ever say about sports again because you just have no realistic view of how like they're just gonna fire west like and like, pay no. him 
that's, that's not going to happen, man. I mean, you're on the, you're a, you know, a, a, a granted something that I'm not anticipating happening, but like you are a stepping game, whatever finish from like putting yourself in a position to make the tournament. And you think they're just going to, they're going to fire him because you lost the two top 10 teams in a row. Right. Like I, it's the I same thing with players too. I mean, yeah. Bench day day, cut Vic. They wanted to fire Dan into the sun. Yeah. Conference play. <laughs> when he had the zero against Oklahoma, can't play him. Can't play him. You got to bet. You, you got to. You got to figure something else out. You can't play Dan. Too inconsistent. Not good enough. Yep. It's just, it's, Excuse me. It's infuriating because I like having good conversation about basketball about football like i like getting into intelligent conversation with people and especially when you're on social media there's no real attempt at that it's just people that you don't hear from for two weeks and then all of a sudden something goes wrong and your mentions are flooded and like it's it's exhausting it's so stupid (laughs) there's nothing smart about it there's nothing, there's no intelligent conversation to be had with uh, Vic sucks and he, like, you know, they, they should, I've used this one, I'm going to use it again because I think it's funny. They should sell all his stuff on eBay or Craigslist and send him to Chicago for a flight back to Russia. <laughs> I wonder how that, I wonder how that guy's doing. I don't know. Anybody in the chat want to look up Jay Sorolla? See what kind of pro <laughs> career he's having? I don't think Keegan knows that story, do you? Uh-uh. I don't think he does. Uh, dur- during the John Brandon era, uh, a post-player transfer from Valpo just literally drove to the Chicago airport. No. Left, what? Uh, the night... Like, the night that he did this, he put all of his belongings on Cra- Craigslist or eBay or what, something. Whatever, yeah. Whatever. He sold all of his belongings, used the money to go to Chicago and get a ticket back to Spain, where he was from, and he just left. This was like December. Like it was yeah. the middle of the season. <laughs> he just was hey, kind of in the morning. He hey, was just we, gone. We joke about it, but he might have been the smartest one of them all. I mean, he clearly saw what was about to happen. So he's like, I'm getting the hell, literally the hell out of here. Yeah. That's kind of badass. I'm not even going to (laughs) lie. I respect that. Oh, no. It's clearly a zero, you know, what's given. Like, don't care at all. Yeah. He he literally, like, everybody just found out he was on a plane to Spain the next morning. He didn't tell anybody. He didn't say anything. Just... Packed up his car, drove to Chicago, dropped it off to whoever was buying. I, I wonder if he did like Dave. This is the we need to get Jay Sarola on the pod one night to discuss. <laughs> um, did he just sell it as like a package, like for five thousand dollars or whatever? I'm you can have my car and everything I own. He couldn't have sold things individually, right? So, according to Pro Bowlers basketball stats, he is uh, averaging three points and two rebounds a game, maybe in, I think, in Spain. 
Two points, three rebounds? Three points, two rebounds, I think. That's better than he did here. Yeah. Came to Valpo from Spain. Oh, yeah. He actually left February. February. February 4th. February. Okay. Whatever it was. Yeah. Whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. He just, he just, (laughs) but I, you would have to think that's how he did it, right, Keegan? Like, meet me in Chicago with $4,000 and you can have all my shit. Yeah. Oh, outstanding. Outstanding. Are are we good on basketball? Yeah, I think so. I want to get okay. to football. I'm excited. Well, that was excited brought about? to you. Oh, sorry. Got to get this. Got to pay those bills. Ad reads, bro. Ad reads. That was brought to you. Talking basketball was brought to you by Team Ticker. TeamTicker.com. It's a one-of-a-kind sports sign for Bearcat fans. It has a high-tech retro display that provides daily updates from the latest news, stats, schedules, much more. No subscription required. You're looking for the perfect addition to your dorm room, your man cave, a gift for that special Bearcats fan. Go to teamticker.com and pick up your team ticker today. Look, all of us can tell you they get it to your house fast. If you maybe didn't get your husband a Valentine's Day present and you want to get one real quick before the end of the week, Teamticker.com. What that did you say they get it, did you say they get it to your house faster than a bouquet of flowers? Uh I mean when did you order the flowers? Uh, the new sale to kick off 2024. You go to com. you enter code BCJ, and you get 50% off your purchase. So teamticker.com, they will get you taken care of. Also, if you're a fan of Michigan State, Penn State, and West Virginia, they also have uh, team tickers as well for all of those uh, schools. And we will timestamp. That timestamp is brought to you by Turtles Brew. Zero carbs, zero sugar, gluten-free, 6% ABV. It's a bourbon-infused sweet tea. They have lemonade tea. They have strawberry mint, cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange vanilla. There are over 100 locations throughout Ohio. Just visit turtlesbrew.com for more about the information and locations. A portion of the proceeds go to save the sea turtles. You can find them pretty much throughout the state. And look, they go great with our new sponsor, New Rip Distillery. You get you some turtles brew. Get you a little shot of new rip. You pour it in the turtles brew. You kick it up a notch. And uh, you can take two of our sponsors and uh, make for, I would imagine, an outstanding summer. Spring and summer. That, that it's, a pool, it's a pool thing. Like you, you could rock a nice lemonade tea turtles brew. Yeah. Shot of uh, a new rip in there by the pool. Awesome. I, I think we need to talk to the new Riff folks about having a Bearcat Journal event at New Riff. We can definitely do that. I think that would be fun. Do that. We could, yeah. Get the tour, see how things are done. Keegan, do you're not a bourbon uh, guy, are you? And not uh, no. an, an, an open uh, Q and A where it's not taped, and we can we can say. <laughs> you can some... really talk about things. Say some fun things, answer some some fun questions. I mean, I'm down with that. Yeah. Um, 
Are you? Do you need to go? Are you like? Are you good to talk some no. football? I heard the door creak open. <laughs> she was peeking through the crack. We saw her in the mirror. No. We can see her in the mirror. Yeah. But, I'm ready to talk some right, football. All right, football. Dave Keegan, have at it. I'll just sit here and hang out while you guys talk football. What we had a press conference. About? Press conference on Tuesday uh, before the basketball game. Coach Satterfield. Uh, and that was five. yesterday. That was yesterday. Yeah. Oh my that was god! A long day like, yesterday. <laughs> like I'm trying to think of like I don't even remember like what exactly was talked about. <laughs> uh, yeah, Coach Sat and five transfers. Uh, I, I will say this, Keegan. I was really impressed by the, the way the defensive guys carried themselves. Three to one Yeah, I, I thought they That's had a great what... demeanor. They. They were engaging with the media. They had good answers. Um, I was impressed by those three guys. Uh, and, you know, that, that at least gives me a good uh, a good baseline for what they brought in defense. For those that weren't able to catch it, who who all was, uh, was there? So you had Coach Sat, and then on the offensive side, you had Brennan Soresby and Joe Royer. And on the defensive side, you had Kai Stokes, Jared Bartlett, and Derek Canteen. And then you had Canteen's who we were all big. there. Yeah. He's I'm not surprised at all about Canteen and Bartlett. They were like two of the dudes that everything I read was like, this is the face of kind of like the face of your program, the face of your players. Like they're the they're out there. They're very, very well um, I won't say well spoken, but like they're very comfortable. They were sharp. I think that's the best word. They were interaction. sharp. Yeah. Um, and then who we were all there for, Jordan Bischel, right after. Clear, clearly, clearly. He had a hilarious joke <laughs> right when he sat down. He, he was he was like, thanks for, everybody, thanks for everybody coming out early for Coach Satterfield. I know you're all here to talk to me. <laughs> so that made my day. Want to um, see some dingers, coach? Which also, I'll plug this. I have a one of my favorite stories I've written since I joined the beat coming out tomorrow. I sat down with Coach Bischel for about 30 minutes, talked to him, um, and then sat down with Hunter Jesse and Carrington Cross for 15 minutes and talked to them. So that'll be published tomorrow, probably around noon. So look for that on BCJ. Wonderful. But Dave, hit me with some questions about fo- the football press conferences or just about the transfers in general. I don't think we've talked about it since everything. I'm going to talk to Aaron about it later. So I'm going to leave a lot of this up to you two guys. So okay. does Carrington Cross know that his name is um, incredibly similar to professional wrestlers? Who's a professional that. wrestler? Arian Cross. He probably does. He's a college baseball player. They're into that kind of stuff. They're weird. Yeah. When you just said that, I was like, wait a second. That's a WWE <laughs> guy's name. <laughs> so, wait a second. Uh, but no, what, let's, you know, I, uh, I watched some and then I was working and was trying to retweet your tweets, but yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Did anything from Coach Satterfield really like stand out, or and or any of the players' comments um, that that you know kind of got your attention? I, I think it was surprising 
to hear the first thing Jared, Bar Jared Bartlett say, she's basically like, yeah, it's our obligation to turn this around and get Cincinnati back to what it was. Like, that's why we came here. And, you know, Stokes and Canteen talked about loving Coach Combs and the fit and everything like that. It genuinely seems like Bartlett came here because he's inspired by the the opportunity to take Cincinnati from three and nine back to a competitive team who can compete in the Big 12. Um, and I think it's interesting. I feel like a lot of people slap the grad transfer label on him and are kind of underestimating like the impact he can have on this defense. I think he's going to be a super good player who's done nothing but prove um, that he can have yeah. an impact at the Power 5 level. Um, yeah, I think he was, he's been productive at West Virginia. I think they were just wanting to go with a younger – more like go with more of a younger guy at his position. I mean, he had had a good bowl game against North Carolina. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, I don't think he, him or Canteen were guys that anyone in, within inside those programs or fans gave the old, like, ah, no big deal, no loss. Like, he, you know, he, you know, we can replace that easily type thing. Yeah. Especially Stokes was the same way. Stokes might have been the biggest one in that area of the fan base kind of being pissed that that he was gone because he's a big depth piece. And now he has the opportunity to prove to everyone why a lot of people think he was a really, really good defensive back, even as a true freshman at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. um, one of the better on the roster. Um, and then Coach Sat talked about Jaquan Sanks moving a lot better than he expected so far in workouts. The defensive back room is going to have a ton of competition come this spring, which everyone knew, but he seemed kind of exhilarated about that. Uh, Canteen and Stokes are excited about that. I liked Satterfield's comment of, you know, the good thing is it can't get much worse. So there's a lot of room for growth in terms of, in terms of the defensive backfield. And I think yeah. they 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 kind of hit a home run in terms of replacing guys who left, but also as Chad talked about all last season, getting Big Twelve quality depth of oh, the guys yeah. behind them that can compete, and it's not Group of Five quality depth to where you're getting burned consistently against Big Twelve talent. Yeah, um, I think it'll be tough you know, with with so many new pieces, especially defensively. And and Sat kind of mentioned it. Clearly, when you have your running back, you have your whole starting offensive line, you have a, a decent number of your wide receivers. Like, there's just more set on offense going into the spring than than defensively. But, and I don't. I think the thing I'm most looking forward to seeing is just defensively the just the where the overall athleticism sits because with all of those new pieces and a new system. I'm not sure like how much true X's and O's like verified type of information you're going to truly be able to get in 15 spring practices and whatever mm -hmm. they call the spring game. But I think you'll be able to tell standing there as we get to do in, in the spring game, like I think you'll be able to tell, are these guys bigger? Are they faster? Are they covering more ground than – they either were last year or guys that are either no longer here or not playing uh, 
that they were able to do. So like that, I think that's kind of the biggest thing that, that I'm, I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And Chad can chime in on this, but I don't want to. It's it's a procedural (laughs) question. They talked about with Vite about how they hadn't decided a scheme, but then Coach Satterfield said, and with this new scheme. So was that his roundabout way of saying they're gonna do the the three three five? Yes. Okay. He said it twice, slipped up twice. Okay. That was one of that's them. That's what I figured. Where, I figured know. that's what it would be the whole time. He just hadn't really said well, anything. Well, also, I, I, I think mean, it's look, it's, it's similar real. to what I said, Keegan. He was talking to me. Hold on, Dave. hold on i think it's similar to what we said when when the hire happened and that if i had to guess the first snap of spring ball will be three safety three three five and then we go from there like once they figure out what they've got like that's that's where this is at yeah they brought in they brought in a guy to be defensive coordinator who runs this specific defense they're not gonna go so, like, what do you want to run? And he's just like, ah, I'm not sure. Let's figure it out. Well, that's basically what he said at his presser. He's like, that's I, what I have he said. To... Like, let's be real. Yeah, I have to look up and down the roster and see what talent I have. Yeah, and that'd what... be like an air raid. You hire an air raid guy, and he's like, you know, guys, I ran this Scram air raid thing it. forever, but I've been tinkering with this triple option thing. What do you? What are your guys' thoughts of uh, of doing this? No, they're going to run with the guy who's been running for successfully at Iowa State for almost a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually, I'm going back to the 4-3 that we ran that didn't work in this league, uh, and we had to switch to the three high safety, 3-3-5. Three, three, uh, yeah. Instead, we're going back to the 4-3 that we had to scrap because it got us killed. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's the that's the stock answer when you haven't really watched any of your personnel to know yeah. whether they can play the key positions that you need them to play. But like, co- coaches run what they run. Well, yeah, I will. Like at least Marcus. Like, and, and there is an evolution, but that evolution sure. doesn't happen when you take a job. That evolution happens when you realize you have like five draftable players and the best corner in the country. That's when the evolution right. happens. They're like, we can evolve now that we know we have a lot of awesome dudes. <laughs> also, they got smoked by UCF. They were like, we have to come up with something different. Uh, this is the something different. Yeah. Okay, great. And it worked and they stuck For with sure. it. sure. Yeah. But they're going to be in a three safety, three, three, five. Uh <laughs> Early and often, uh, and and we'll see if it has to change. Like that's the only reason it will change, right, Dave? If it has to change, yeah. If they line up for a week of practice and go, we ain't got anybody that can play this position, right? <laughs> um, I, I asked Soares. We don't, Matt. We do done. not know yet on when practice technically begins. <clears throat> I asked um, Soresby about his pass as a baseball player. I think I read somewhere that he hit over 500 his senior year. I'm pretty sure he was a middle infielder. He probably pitched, but I don't think he was primarily a pitcher. Um, 
So when everyone like correlates the baseball player to quarterback, they initially think arm angles. And I had someone reach out to me and say the sneaky thing about baseball is the core and back muscles that are built up um, with so many repeated at bats. And that's like, that has a huge impact on quarterbacks and their ability to play the position. And Jameis Winston went on a long tangent about it on pardon my take. <laughs> and obviously, obviously he was a division one baseball player, super, yeah. super talented guy. So crab legs. <laughs> um, so Soresby was, um, he was good to talk to. He talked about his time in Indiana, how it helped him grow. And um, did you ask like, him if he if he Elliot if he still Elliot? <laughs> do you still do your Elio? Okay. Is that, Elio is that prayer is just part of you till the day you die, or do you not Elio once you leave Bloomington? Can you take the Elio out of the kid? Right, or is the kid always in the Elio? You, you can take the Elio out of the kid, but you can't take the Elio. Right, that's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, do you think Just Penn curious. State? I mean, Penn State was we are. I mean, they have been forever. Are they now Leo. No, there ain't no oh. way. <laughs> no, I will say on the start of spring ball, typically, what has happened in the past is it starts the week before spring break, because you have that acclimation period where you can't wear pads and like whatever. They get that done before the week leading into spring break. Then they have spring break, and then. Like you actually get to like the full go uh, of spring right. practice. If that was the case, spring break starts March 11th, so it would be something like the fourth, somewhere in that general vicinity. The first, it'll be the first week of March, which, holy crap, is like two and a half weeks away. Correct. <laughs> like we're literally two and a half, three weeks from spring ball. Crazy. I know. Com Never combines stopped. in two weeks, then free agency like football is the, the Super Bowl is Sunday, and professional football is basically restarting in two weeks. Yeah. Dave, I have to do radio. Uh I guess so. I guess Rapine was gonna do radio from the combine on the 27th. Yeah, that's but, Tuesday. Uh but uh, Zach Taylor and uh, Duke Tobin will be speaking from three to six that day. Yeah. So James can't do it. So I'm in. So are you going to come on on that day and draft preview, uh, combine preview for for Bengals fans? Would you like me to? Uh, this is an official invite. Then sure. Why don't you most go to the combine, like, Chad? Most people will be like, "Who is this guy you're having on that has never been on to talk about the draft that works?" For and you know what I'll tell them? When Dan Hoard's looking for draft advice, he goes to Dave Simone. <laughs> I have I have some pretty, I got some pretty uh, ballsy takes already for the draft this year. Who's Keegan, the best quarterback? No lie, Drake May. Okay, Keegan, no lie. Uh, I think it was a spring game, or it was a it was a practice that was at Nippert. I do believe it was a spring game. And all of a sudden I turn around and Dan Horde has Dave cornered for like an hour. Just peppering him with draft questions. 
Yep. I'm I'm, fir- I'm firmly on Drake May and Roma Dunze. And I'll I'll ride that horse. Outside of Caleb Williams and Drake May, this will be my last question. We're not gonna get on a tangent. Who's the other best quarterback that'll have the best career? That's I mean, quarterback is so about who don't no, 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 no. <laughs> No, check check down bow. No, no, no. But it's uh, any of the quarterbacks. I mean, like Michael Penix. Oh, certainly not. <laughs> no, I, I mean if if you're gonna make me pick one of outside the top two, I mean I'm gonna the the smart money safe money's on Jay Daniels. But you know who I do like JJ McCarthy. No. I do like J.J. McCarthy, but you have to dig into his tape a lot more just because of the offense. Michael Pratt from Tulane. Oh, my gosh. Is he in the draft? Yeah. <laughs> he's, in Dave, he's in Dave Brugler's top 100. You know who I do like? This guy. He's in the draft. <laughs> why, yeah, why would I, I mean, I'm say familiar with him if he wasn't in the I, draft? I have no idea. You, I, I haven't kept up on my Tulane football. No, I mean, lately, quarter, quarterback play is just so predicated on where you go, the type of coaching you get, and who they're able to put around you. I mean, it's yeah. So, but I think quarterback. I think your boy JJ McCarthy is going to go a lot higher than people might think right now. He's going to fall to the Rams. No, top fifteen. All right, Bearcats. But Bearcats, football. No Bearcats to the combine. No, which, uh, I'm, I'm kind of surprised Juwan Briggs didn't get an invite after his performance at the East-West game. Um, there are typically about 30 guys, give or take, that get drafted that were not invited. Kobe Turner's won the Rams. Um, took him the third round last year. Had a, had a very solid rookie season that was not at the combine. So it certainly doesn't – doesn't doesn't completely cross you off, but I mean they invite 320 guys. There's 250 something picks. I think you know Jawan is going to blow teams away in the interview process. He's certainly a scheme specific dude, <clears throat> but I mean, what are the defense. better odds, Dave? That you go that you don't go to the combine and you get drafted. Or you go five and two to finish the season in the Big Twelve in basketball. <laughs> Which one? Like, I would put one dollar on Jawan Briggs getting drafted over finishing five and two. <laughs> um, it's a very cl- it'd be a very close bet. I mean, but you know, teams need, teams always want defensive linemen. He's a power player in a power position. Great dude. Like. That's the type of guy you're willing to take in the sixth, seventh round um, to, to have on the back end of your roster type situation. But combine this year should be should be a fun watch. There are some very impressive dudes that I cannot wait to see. I mean, granted, it's running around in a t-shirt and shorts, but like seeing some of these guys work and move is is pretty pretty outstanding stuff. Keegan, you've heard back to the Bearcats. Yeah, you've heard uh, from your contacts, at least that you've shared with me, 
a lot of uh, very positive buzz around Jared Bartlett. Yes. A lot of positive buzz. He is a, a massive guy who is the prototypical defensive end edge who Cincinnati has been missing. And you, when the fans show up to the spring game and they see him, they're going to realize, like, wow, that's that's what we're looking for. Like, that that's who Cincinnati needed last season to pair with Dante Corleone and Juwan Briggs. And now they have two of them. And Jared Bartlett and Micah Coleman. They would have had three if George Gums would have stayed. But you don't know if you get Bartlett if Gums stays because that was no. um, a, a different situation. Um, but, yeah, just a really, really high character dude who I'm told has already taken kind of a leadership role in terms of practice so far and the, the workouts that Nico's putting them through. I think – He's the most experienced power five player on the roster. I think me and Chad, me and you talked about it. Xavier Henderson is probably up there with them. Other than that, don't their think can, there's much. Their canteen started at Georgia Southern, but he, he's yes, got two. Right. He's got some jo well, Josh Minkins. has played a lot of yeah. football. I don't know if he's a fifth year. Is he a fifth year? Maybe just four. But he's yeah. I know he's played a lot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's definitely up there. I mean, I there. What what can you take from from like two thirteen minute videos? I'm not sure, but it certainly seems like this the stuff they're putting out for our for our consumption. Like, I don't know. I'd love to have a protein shake with Nico and and pick his brain on uh, you know where what his vibes are this off season compared to last. If, if it, if it's too early to tell, or if you can instantly see a, a different level. And I think bringing in guys like Bartlett, like canteen, and I'm just, I'm sure there's more, but I mean, they're the ones that I kind of know the most about in that regard. Um, and them just jumping in right away probably signals to the other guys like this our levels need to be higher if these guys have been here you know whatever a month and a half and they're the ones that are like leading the way then we need to you know we need to pick up our our pace as well so yeah everybody always gets bigger faster stronger in the offseason no one's ever gotten worse but uh you know it's just Given the given the things that we know and probably some things that we don't know and and how the season played out, yeah, be nice to get a little true serum in, in some people and and to get an idea of of what they think is going on right now. Yeah, I think the verbal leadership last year was lacking um, in large part, probably on both sides of the ball. So I think infusing a little bit of that with Bartlett, with whatever other guy kind of wants to step up and just in terms of maturity and experience, um, I, I think there's a lot of opportunities for people to step up and it, that's going to help both sides of the ball extremely well. Just holding each other accountable instead of it having to come from a coaching staff to a kind of split roster on who wants to be here and who doesn't. No doubt. I mean, I think 
You just had a a recipe for for that type of thing. I mean, you just had a, a lot a new staff, a new league, a lot of turnover. Like the guys coming back from the previous year, you know, those guys were still all the contributors were all still, you know, for the most part, all still pretty young. They had never really been put in those situations. I mean, it's it's real simple. When <clears throat> for four or five years, I mean, really five years, you have a Desmond Ritter and a Kobe Bryant. Like you don't really have to go mining for for leaders when you have five years of those guys, and so. The catch twenty two of that is, it doesn't really give you the opportunity to, to grow the next crop, when you have such dominant guys in place for five years, uh, and then you get and then they leave and there's no one really ready to to take that take over that spot. Yeah. All right, you guys got anything else? No, are the are the Vols winning? Uh, I don't know. I was looking at. Uh, I checked in on UConn and DePaul. Uh, uh, that's going about as expected. Up five, and then a little surprising to turn into uh, Auburn, South Carolina, and see Auburn up sixty to forty. Yeah, South Carolina's been playing damn good. Right, look, if I'm Ohio State, I think Lamar Paris is might be the guy. It's from Ohio. I know. He coached at Wisconsin with the Decker Kaminsky teams. Mm-hmm. Like knows the Midwest, knows the Big Ten, plays a Big Ten style. But boy, it would be so funny if Sean Miller went to Ohio State. Yeah. I'm here for funny. I'm here for funny. <laughs> And it would be funny. Maybe they can maybe they can hire Thad again. Just bring him no, back. No, it would Bu- be no bring him back no. from Butler. You know what it would be. You know who they would hire. They wouldn't really, would they? They would. I think they, they just did. Yeah. In an even true. worse situation. That's true. They just did. It would be funny, though, that their fans would then go back to liking uh Jeff Goodman. Right. Right. <laughs> I just, I you know, whatever. I don't care. Like I, it's Ohio State. Yeah, like, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Um, I'm, I am though. It, I am pretty stuff. surprised that that they have been as bad as they've been the last two years. I, I look, man. I would have bet a considerable sum of money that Chris Holtman was a smashing success there. They haven't won a, a road game in over a year. I know. It's crazy. Like any like, road I, game. I thought he was Big Ten, like any road game. Well, it, here's what I think crushed him, Dave. There has not been any elite talent in Ohio for three years. Yeah. It's just not been a good, good couple of cycles. There's been good players, but there hasn't been like right. the guys that have, you know, Jared Sullinger and, and Aaron Kraft and the guys that have like really elevated Ohio State. We have not seen any of those guys. Um, And they tried to go young last year and then doubled down by trying to go young again on top of that this year, like back-to-back freshman classes 
were the base of the program. It don't work anymore. It don't work anymore. Yeah. I'm I am I'm with you though. I mean he's been there seven years, which seems like it's hasn't been there near that long, but I'm I'm pretty surprised, especially over the last two years, just how yeah. bad they've been. Look, I, I get a bump in the road, but man, I, I just I thought he was and look, he's gonna go somewhere else and is gonna be really good. Like he is a good coach. He did not forget how to coach. Um, probably just gonna have to go somewhere that embraces NIL uh, a little bit more than they do in Columbus for the basketball program. All that money is, uh, they spend that NIL money on something else up the road. (laughs) All right, Keegan, thank you. And, and tell your lovely fiance, we appreciate her, uh, letting her, you know, letting us borrow you. For uh, for a couple hours tonight, she she's appreciative. Thank you, <laughs> Dave. Good show. We didn't even argue. We didn't we didn't yell at each other even once. No, <laughs> we're on the same page. Should, should I go to page. Should I go to the Holy Grail Saturday and maybe reverse jinx what's been going on? You, I mean, if they lose, boy, if you go to the Grail and they lose. Then I'm just going to go to Ruby's and have a great dinner. It's not going to matter to me. <laughs> then I'm going to shank you the next time I see you. I'll pick UC to lose in my prediction so you can go to the Grail and have fun, and it'll be my fault. <laughs> Keegan, what's been the downfall of Indiana? The dump of an arena or terrible uniforms? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> wow. Whoa. We don't disrespect Assembly Hall in here. No. None of that. It just happened. It just wow. happened. Anderson coming Anderson, in hot. Casey, you have two first the, names. At the end of the show, just coming in, laying it down. You mean like Woodson's not working? The downfall of IU, <laughs> and I'll, I'll give Chad credit on this, is that Mike Woodson isn't the greatest coach in the world, and he had some top, top, top-tier talent that a lot of people thought, oh, well, he doesn't have to coach his offense revolving around a center now, so he'll be able to do whatever he wants. And I was one of those people. I thought he was going to be fine. I thought he was going to be better without Trace Jackson Davis. And it has proven that Trace Jackson Davis is very good, and then partnering him with Janet Hutchifino was also very good. So That was the dude. I liked him a lot. He was – I will – I don't think I'll ever understand how – fortunate I was to cover a team with both of them on it. It was insane. His that 38 big run points... They, that big run they made in the tournament was incredible without those guys. <laughs> His 38 points at Mackey was unreal. <laughs> so, um, but... I like this because I don't even have to say any of it. I just get to sit here. The, the question is uh, going to be, though, in, in a month, am I going to pick the 16 seed to beat Purdue again? Because I did I it think last year. Get, I think they'll probably get dumped by an eight nine this year. I don't Raising know, man. The bar for Purdue. Yeah. Fraudulent. Yeah. I still wouldn't have minded having Trey Kaufman here, but it's neither here nor there. Yes. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to Keegan. Thanks to Keegan's beautiful fiance. Thanks to Dave. 
your wife doesn't care. So I'm not going to thank her. Oh, not in the least. It's never listened and never will. <laughs> Rest easy to the guy on the 14th floor of uh, Good Sam today. We'll see you next time. That's the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. See you.